Hey guys, and welcome back to Young to Live By. Today, we're going to be tackling perhaps maybe the most mysterious of all the archetypes, perhaps. Uh, and, to, and to do so, I've brought Steve and Pauline Richards on to discuss it with me. And of course, the topic today is on the animus. How are you two doing today? Hi, James. Very well, thank you. Nice to see you again. Hi, James. Brilliant. Well, we thought, uh, discussing before this, that maybe the easiest way to go through this would be to actually bring up a video and commentate over the front of it, because archetypes, you cannot experience them themselves. Of course, you can only experience resultant images. And perhaps this could be one of the most interesting resultant images. Of course, it is the uh, the music video to Hounds of Love by Kate Bush. So uh, perhaps you give a little bit of background, you two, on the video itself and why you believe it to be so significant. Kate Bush was inspired by the 1957 iconic film Night of the Demon. You know, at the very beginning of the video, um, the references uh, made to that, the lines from the film are spoken by the male character at the very beginning of the video. Um, and then we're kind of taken through almost a, a dreamlike journey um, whereby we see the idea of, of the collective male psyche uh, the archetype of the animus played out throughout the video. Um, so I think it's just, a, it's just a very good way of understanding it without necessarily intellectualizing it too much. So if we could just mm. allow ourselves to, to comment over it and to experience it fully. And um, mm. I think we'll just get a, a different angle on things. Absolutely. I like that. The idea of experiencing it rather than, you know, trying to yeah. understand it beforehand. Perhaps that's actually a, uh, a, yes. a pitfall, first of all. So we've, so we've got this, this beginning clip here. This, uh, this guy's running down a hallway. Yeah. He's yep. look, looking... Uh, you see the animus is a psychopomp. So, so would you say that he's sort of leading, he's leading the, uh, her into the unconscious then in yeah, that case? The, um, the line that he opens with, it's in the trees, it's coming, is um, from a medium... Uh, in the film Night of the Demon, and the animus is often portrayed as being a spirit. Mm. Uh, and of course, as a psychopomp as well, the first shot you get is this specific figure running down the corridor, looking over his left shoulder back towards the camera, which is obviously indicative of the unconscious, yeah. but also his role as psychopomp. Mm. And then uh, we, we, we see the, uh, the protagonist, uh, the young girl played by Kate Bush, uh, and how she is, herself then experiences the animus. Uh, and when you see the papers that she's holding being rustled, and that's uh, a reference to the the wind or the breath of spirit, which again is the animus. And behind her, you can see the collective, which she turns away from, and then faces the approach of the collective male psyche. Mm, so that was the part you're talking about there, where she turns around and bing, yeah. there, the yes. breath, the 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 an an animation. Absolutely. And, it's uh, the beginning of the animation, isn't it? Yeah, here yeah. comes the animus now as yeah. a group. Which it's often represented as, um, unlike the animus, which is very often just an individual woman. And then he's pulled back into the uh, collective male psyche by the group that he enters with and pulls away. And takes her with him. Yeah. Mm. And continues to pull her away. Yes, continues to pull her away um, as they literally run through the trees together, through the forest, through the wood, almost as if uh, she's being led into the unconscious. Um, but one of the things that you notice about it too, I think, is it's got a, a kind of an, a, an exhilarating feel to it. And we obviously moved on to uh, 
the yeah. celebration? Are we able to kind of? Can we go yeah. back? To, of course, we can. Back to the point where he tries to put yes. his coat over her shoulder. Yes. Yeah, and she shrugs it off. Yeah. Yes, back a bit more. Oh, yeah. back a bit more. Let's see. Back a bit more. Yeah. Oh, so here we go. That's it. And she yes. throws it off. Yes. Yes, she does. She kind of shrugs it off. Hmm. Almost like maybe shrugging off a, you know, a, a layer of development or shrugging off um, a particular containment. Containment by the animus mm. because she does have yeah. to keep her individuality but relate yeah. nevertheless. Yeah. She's still with him. And this idea of taking her mm. shoes off and throwing them into the lake and then being two steps on the water. That's walking on water. There's yes. animation straight away. It is. Yeah, absolutely. So if she would have kept the coat on, would that have been a, a maldeveloped thing? Or is this her resistance to develop, if I just understand you well, correctly? She would have been contained by it, and it wouldn't have been an equal relationship. Yeah. Gotcha. At that point, she's still, uh, she's still developing. But she's about to enter a house, and there's a party going on in there, so she's back into the, into the collective. And as she does, a man will try and pull her man away from her. And she protects him at that point and pushes him away. There it goes now. Could any of these be considered trickster figures, do you reckon? Um, I, w I wouldn't go that far. The focus is entirely on, yeah. on, the, on the young girl. Yeah, Perfect. I, think, I think they're just malevolent aspects of the animus, to be honest with you. I mean, I think we have to assume that this lead male character is a positive figure for her mm. um, and the other men in the group. Um, or negative aspects of the animus who are trying to kind of pull her back in, destructive forces, if you like. Yeah. And she makes her selection positively. Um, yeah. And a little bit earlier on in the video, you see her handcuff him to her... Later, later on. Oh, sorry, later on in the mm -hmm. video. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, so there's a, a conjoining, literally a conjoining of the two. Now here comes the collective Ooh. animus again, trying to chase and yeah. spoil things. Yeah, which it does just do because you can't have one without the other you can't have the positive animus without constellating the negative aspects yeah. of it mm. watch what happens again he's been reabsorbed by the collective and he puts his left hand forward towards her and oh conjunction yes. uh, see how animated she becomes now isn't it yeah a little bit further down as they start to dance it's, it starts off um quite serious really and then you gradually see her becoming more animated as they dance together yeah yeah there we go mm -hmm. well, that's dancing with the animus yeah yes. literally and you know if a woman can't access the animus positively within um then she'll turn to other things for animation an um, extreme example of that would be addiction of some kind. Yes. So rather than having the, you know, the animating spirit within, um, she might turn, for example, to, to drugs or alcohol um, in order to Can you to pause it here, James? Of course. Which part would you like to see? So basically, you've got a collective um, acknowledgement of the relationship here. They yes. are joined, they are bound together. Yeah. And then they lead. Now, this time, she's leading. Yes. It was the animus who led her to the wedding, if you like, uh, and there had to be a second differentiation from the collective for that man. He had to leave the group and she had to see him being abstracted out from the group. But when they leave with her 
leading this time, the guy with the trilby again, or another aspect of the negative animus, tries to follow them mm. and is frustrated yeah. at the door. And he looks back at the collective just, crowd yeah. over his left shoulder, very, very briefly. But that's an acknowledgement that society does want people to bond together, does want women and men to conjoin. So in effect, the negative pole of the animus gives up in the face of the collective who have sanctioned the relationship Gotcha. And that's its, that's its archetypal narrative. Yes. So in effect, what you have here is an archetype. Because yeah. an archetype is none of the characters, it's all of the characters embedded in the narrative yeah, itself. Yeah, it's a situation, isn't it? Yeah. It's a complete situation. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. I think like Steve said, you, there we go. you can see that she takes an executive there. role in that. Yeah. So, you know, her so, ego decides that she'll take him with her. Uh, and, and that's how the relationship should be between the animus and, and, and the ego. Um, it shouldn't be one of animus possession. So what's the the main takeaway from that then? I guess I, I, I want to, I guess, assert something, yeah. a question. Um, the animus is an inner relationship, so it's not as if it is a man on the outside world, but it seems to be, from my understanding, it's mirrored by a relationship or can be mirrored by a relationship in the outside world. So you say there were sort of two ways of looking at that video it's the inner journey of her as a woman as an individual but it's also yeah. could also be seen as her literally joining with a man who needs to be pulled away from the collective essentially yeah well one one i guess reinforces the other um but it, it's um it's a it's for women it's a collective experience of men summed mm. up in that situation um which you know, women are all women are probably familiar with, even if they don't really understand why um, they're moved by it, or um, you know, they can they can relate to that without necessarily knowing what it is that's happening to them. Mm. So, I guess again, for individuation purposes, it's that conscious relationship that needs to be developed. Mm, gotcha. Okay. Uh, so on on the journey of a of a woman who wants to integrate her animus, if we're taking it like like the video as the archetype, as as, as the yeah. whole si situation, then yeah. what would be the first time do you reckon a woman would encounter something like this? Would it be in school when suddenly a guy looks at her in kind of like a cute way, and then his friends don't really want her to him to come away from the surroundings? If I, if I'm understanding the situation correctly, do you reckon? Um, well, it's it's similar to the situation with the anima, really, in that it's uh, in that in that archetypal form, it's innate, it's present at birth, um, and um, there is also, of course, the animus complex as well, which develops in relation to to real men, uh, principally for for a girl, for a daughter, uh, with the father, and any other significant men in her life as she you know she grows up and she develops so it's it's that inner and outer um combination um one feeding the other one reinforcing the other that that you know evolves over the course of a woman's life of a mm. girl and a woman's life Mm, okay well we've uh steve and i of course we've done our video on the anima mm. about a week two weeks ago something like that yeah, yeah. so i think it might be a good idea to, to sort of build that if, if you guys haven't seen that video i'd recommend that you go check it out of course but yeah. uh, sort of presuming you have a general understanding of the anima uh the idea between these these two archetypes is they are genetic structures prim primarily yeah. that are imprinted yeah. on we don't know how yeah. necessarily presumably by uh, or we, we know some mechanisms but like an epigenetic mechanism through which they're imprinted mm. on by for the for the anima it would be 
the mother and your first love, for example, a female first love to a man. Mm. But for the animus, it would therefore be the father and um, male first loves. But in terms of uh, differences between the two, maybe that would be the most interesting way to to tackle this. Because we could take the anima theory and we could then just swap the genders which is a crude way of doing it but then it's like well what's the point yeah. of tackling the animus right no it, 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 it you can't quite make the switch i mean mm. it's probably um when we say that the they're both relating functions they are but that's probably where the similarity ends to be mm. honest with you because the the animus is really a very different creature mm. um it's got a kind of otherworldly feel to it it's um I thought I think it's a more difficult concept to come to terms with in many ways. Yeah, we we have it easier. Yeah. Mm. Um, as men, because our caregiver, our primary caregiver, being our mother, mm. is of the opposite gender, the opposite biological sex, and is also at the same time our genetic target because she's feminine. Yep. Um, with women, it's it's different. Their primary caregiver is female, mm. and men then seem very, very strange and peculiar mm. to them because they're more objective, more distant, and therefore more alien. Uh, and that creates a fascination mm-hmm. and a fear at the same time, which is why the animus often appears in the way that it does as a spirit. And that's what young men, by spirit instead of soul, it's because of that very strange otherworldliness. Whereas for a, a young man to relate, a young boy, a child to relate to his mother mm-hmm. as occurring and nurturing uh, figure in his life if that's successful of course then it feels different it's qualitatively different but for the young girl it's the same gender and the father or male caregiver in her life is at some distance and represents authority power control and the collective and that's why the animus often appears as a collective image mm. rather than a differentiated individual image yeah. mm. whereas uh, the anima is usually an individual image because of the prime imprinting onto the mother. Ah, I've got you. So it has those those differences. And if as men we don't understand that, we have no idea how we're impacting on women. Not mm. at all. Mm. Well let's no. let's change that then. If someone's coming to this, let's let's try and change that and see if we can uh, help people relate better, either men or women relate better to the animus. Where do you think would be the best place to start with something like that? What do you think is the most crucial piece of information someone should know about the animus? From a woman's perspective or a man's, James? Either, either, to be honest. I think it'd be fine. Um, it's, it's only right, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I think to sort of follow on from what Steve said, this idea of it... Um, being an inner power and an inner um, authority on things is is hugely significant Um, because obviously, uh, like I say, a woman's unconscious is is characterized uh, by Logos, by that masculine principle. And if it's working positively for her and I like that, that's that's great. It can, lots of really good things can flow from that. Um, A woman then tends to um relate to uh her word and her work and her own ideation and her thoughts in in a very positive way um but where it's at work in a negative way then it can be 
immensely destructive for the reasons that Steve said really because it's so much associated with with power and authority um, and it can take the form uh, Jung himself says this of um, an inner sacred conviction about something uh, and when it has that kind of power in a woman's life it can be you know immensely overwhelming mm. so I think that's probably a good place to start mm. um yeah 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 okay. yeah that, that, that makes sense to me so the obviously you've mentioned before well we have the animus and then we have the animus yeah. complex so we've got this differentiation yeah. thing between them where presumably similar to the anima you have the animus as an archetype which is unknowable yeah. itself and then the animus yeah. complex forms in yeah. relation to those relationships it, you make with does. other people it right? kind of sits on top of, of, of the animus as an archetype in the mm. way that the animus does yeah sweet it's interesting i think just to in, introduce at this point and we, we should develop this between us the three of us uh, of course in future podcasts that the animus like the anima is not a thing it's not a singular thing it's it's a group of related things which relate if you like to the core function of relating mm. so for example if it, for, the, for the lads watching if, if we go back to the idea of uh, the anima being a relating function the mother archetype can be associated to the anima but is not the anima itself mm. but it can become part of the anima function and anima picture <clears throat> so in some respects archetypes form systems rather than are activated individually mm. and that depends upon the situation that the person is in so for a young child the anima develops off the mother archetype on the basis of a virtual but empty of experience template which is hardwired and that's, that's made up of anticipations of the right kind of experiences to have. Mm -hmm. So when, when, when as uh, men, as, as lads, boyos, if you like, we, we talk about the anima, we're not talking about one differentiated thing. And it's the same with the animus, but it's slightly worse because you, you go, it seems, as a woman from outside of the individual sphere, immediately to the collective because of that alien quality. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, it has um, a hypnotic, even for me as a, as a man, working with women who have issues with, with the animus or are developing the animus, it pulls you in very, very quickly. And you start to feel that. It's like a gravitational pull. You almost start to become the thing that they're working against. It's completely involuntary. And it has to do with this long, long history, this timeline that this archetype has formed. Mm. So, 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 just, just when you're, I guess, just to flesh that out. If so, if you're working yeah. with a, a woman, in what mm. way will it pull you in in a hypnotic way? Is it the words that she speaks, or is it like a feeling, a resonance it's that you a, get with it's her? A, it's a, it's a field phenomenon. I think is, is the way that I explain it to myself because I couldn't reduce it down to, to words. Mm. Uh, it, it's, it's a feeling certainly, and that's why I say it's a field phenomenon. It, it's an energetic thing. It's the axis between the two of you in a therapy situation along which projections and transferences work yep. um, and also anticipations of the future. Okay. Uh, if the negative pole comes at you, and it invariably does if, if you're yeah. working in depth for any length of time. Well, usually that's why someone comes to see you, isn't it? Because they're yeah. having difficulty with the negative pole. Mm. Of yes, and, and then it gets projected. You have yeah. to watch your negative anima doesn't come up because yeah. as Jung says, it's an it's a automatic trigger. It is. You know, mm. the, when, when one appears, the other appears yeah. and you have to be very, very aware of it. But um, 
I'm only really uh, saying this just to help the lads, if you like, so they, I can build a bridge for them. Of course. And at the same time to say it is so strange and so different that your experience of the anima will not prepare you for the animus. You have to work with women, you have to communicate with women and listen to them in order to understand what will be projected onto you and what you will trigger in them in terms of their lifespan developments. Mm. Um, they will, women will appear to be an incredible mystery to you on the inside, their inside, when you try and relate to them if you do not know what this is. Mm. So it's very, very important that you get a handle on it. And yeah. the only people who can really teach you are women. Mm. Makes sense to me, of course. So I guess, uh, Pauline, um, um, what does the negative and the positive poles of the anima feel like as just as like a lived experience type of thing so in other words like how would you how would you know because i imagine with myself if i can say shadow project against somebody and i can recognize it now when i I spontaneously doesn't happen so much anymore it's more when i was in my teen years i guess more insecure i'd see people spontaneously Mm -hmm. dislike them for seemingly no reason and i can identify that shadow projection what does the animus feel like as i will never actually feel it i'm interested the animus, James. Yes, an animus feel like. <laughs> what does it feel like? Um, that's very difficult to describe. I'm just I'm thinking about really what Steve said about the therapy situation where, mm-hmm. you know, from a man's perspective, if you were to see it in action, shall we say, so that men know what to recognise in women, because maybe that's even more instructive yes. than simply talking about how the woman themselves experiences it. Okay. Um, but if, say, for example, uh, an animus possessed woman comes for therapy and she sees somebody, you know, sees Steve or sees somebody like Steve, um, then you can probably expect to see a number of things. Mm. Um, you would psychologically, you'd almost see a kind of a, uh, a pseudo man, really, in a way. Um, someone who is maybe having difficulty um with their own ideation, with their own thoughts, they might be opinionated mm-hmm. in a way that's very, very difficult to um, therefore relate to that person or to interact with that person because it's it's going back to that idea again of having that that inner conviction about something. Yes. Um, and so, you know, you might see a woman who no matter what you do to try and be logical and rational with her, insists on chasing a a kind of an illogic around her head. Um, It might be that you see somebody who is is very destructive towards themselves, who, um, you know, is very self-deprecating, yeah is it doesn't see sorry i'm just agreeing with you that's absolutely true um who doesn't really see any way out of the situation that they're in so you might get a kind of a nihilistic um thing coming through uh where nothing is any good everything is useless um you you know there'll be that kind of generalization um of effect and it's very it's very difficult not only for women to kind of deal with that but probably particularly difficult for men because there'll be a strong resistance to 
the positive pill, I mean, the positive pill is usually transferred on, onto the therapist uh, in the hope that somehow, you know, they will make sense of all of this and they'll solve the riddle for, for that particular mm, yeah. woman. Um, so whatever confusion exists in the woman, then I, I guess they, they will then look to the man um, to assist them with a better understanding of the masculine and of themselves so that they can then... Well, they use them as, a, as an interject, as a, as yeah, a, yeah. As a yeah. connecting with the positive pole. You, you mm. become a, um, a, a, as a man having received the animus projections, um, they, what appears to be positive often is negative. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's part of the riddle of the animus. Yeah. They mm-hmm. will set you up intellectually yes, um, in order to undermine you. Yeah. Uh, they may use an erotic toned transference in order to undermine you. Um, but at first, if you're not careful, you may feel, for example, that uh, uh, this 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 woman is uh, admiring my intellect or whatever it is, and they're not yeah. actually. They're, they're trying to tunnel you to undermine you in order to to stay stuck in the situation that they're in. That's the negative animus. That's mm. what that will do. Uh, and it's as if it's whispering on the inside. <clears throat> See what they're all like. They all want to control you. No matter what you say, he has a better idea or a deeper understanding than you. That's the ah. negative. But the positive animus, which is also acting negatively in this situation that I'm describing, may also say, he has this great insight, he can see into people's souls, he's wonderful, he's great. And then they try to destroy you and destroy themselves by losing all touch of reality. And, and, and you almost get uh, a massive over-evaluation of you, which then means that if they're married or in a relationship, the relationship suffers and they use that to attack their relationship. Yeah. And you know, it can get really unpleasant, which so, is why we used to, when we suspected that was happen, happening with certain couples, we would suggest that they bring the partner in, we would bring Pauline in, and then there'd be two couples there, and it's a completely different process. But um, I, I've had some very weird experiences uh, in that regard with uh, with women who literally cry floods of tears saying, I want to know what you know. You yes. know some strange mystical secrets mm. because you're so different from anybody they've ever met and they're trying to access their animus and develop it they can only do that in relationship to someone who can go with them that far yeah and it, it creates a very very strange atmosphere at the same time the negative pole is, is trying to destroy you trying to destroy you as in the person who's trying to help within the therapeutic relationship yeah. or to destroy you as an object and you'll also find that um the negative anima uh, will do exactly the same to female therapists when it comes out from a man. And this is a, a deep level. Uh, we have to go there in steps yeah. because this is why I've, you know, we've been working on complexes and things first. But when you get down to the psychology of the transference in an alchemical sense, it's on another level and we have to approach that yeah. gradually. Yeah. It's a very, very strange situation to have these archetypes come out and suddenly be there yeah. as a palpable, palpable yes. energetic presence, which I think answers your question. I know it's been around about... No, three. yeah, it does. It does. You can definitely feel it. It is real. It, it, and it's almost like a possession state. Mm. Yeah. And sometimes what appears to be positive is secretly destructive. Yeah. Well, because that's, that's why I asked, I guess, in terms of um, destroying you as the therapist in that in, in situation. Yeah. When you were describing the intellect, it almost sounded like the animus in that situation was trying to self-sabotage her in, the, in that, oh, that case. Yes. 
That's yeah. Yes, 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 that's yeah, right. That, that's that's, that's very true. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think just to follow on a little bit from what Steve was saying is uh, with respect to the transference, um, if it's a you know it's a woman on onto a man, they don't want you to be a real person. No. That's the last thing that they want you to do. Yeah. They want you to be able to to carry, um, you know, that projection for yeah. them on their behalf, yeah. which is um, it's an in inherent part of therapy. Um, and at some point, the transference transference needs to be discussed, yes. and you know, the patient helped to understand yeah. what's going on and so on. Mm. Um, but the the resistance to doing that will be huge. Yeah. They, they, they will they will act almost like a succubus and i don't mean in the literal sense except that they will take your life force and your energy if they can mm. they, they want to get every idea that you could possibly yeah. possess or yeah. anything you've ever learned yeah. and appropriate that without doing it yeah. to yourself yeah so yeah and then, so hating you for, and then hating you for it yes and that's that's the reaction formation that occurs when yeah. the transference so, so, so they, will it um will, will project it, this on you and then dislike you for that, then that's part of the process of them trying to reintroject it back into themselves. Yes. So it's a very, very strange world. Very mm. strange. Well, there's a lot of talk about um, ideas and the intellect and things like yeah. that. Yes. Is that usually the way these things will manifest then? Because, of course, Pauline, you said earlier that the female psyche is characterised by logos, basically. Yes. So is it, is it ideas and the, more, the word, if, if you like? Yes, is that normally it? Absolutely, absolutely. It's very much the power of the word. And if there's some um, inner voice or whispering going on that tells you or wants you to believe a particular thing about yourself, it comes with such authority. It's yes. very, very difficult um, to resist the suggestive power of that. And part of a, a woman's journey and freeing herself from that is to develop Logos in a positive way and to, de to develop her own ideas and the ability to discriminate between her and it, if you like. Mm. So depending on um, somebody's type, yes. do you, does the way this, the animus manifests in this particular mm. manner change? So say, say if, if, I, if I was a woman, INTP, then I would have sensing and feeling mm. under my animus if I was less mm. developed, for example. Uh, but yes. can you contrast that with, say, an ESFJ? It would be the opposite functions. It would be intuition and, and mm. thinking. Will that change mm. the way, in, say, in a therapeutic scenario, or indeed an everyday scenario, the animus will manifest in a, in a negative sense then? Well, it plays its part. Mm. Um, it's a difficult one, really, because I think you still see it, even in the absence of typology, you see it behaving pretty much in the same way, mm. regardless of the typology yes. of, of, of the man or, or the woman concerned. Mm. Although, obviously, as we've discussed in previous podcasts, that women, by and large, tend to be feeling types. That's not to mm -hmm. say that they all are. Um, so it's a difficult one, because if you, if you can muddy the water... Mm. by starting to think in that way so yeah. it's probably cleaner to simply think of it in in as being that way really probably in all women regardless yeah. of type yeah mm. type if it's of any use at all in a situation like that just helps you to understand the surface of it yeah mm -hmm. um if we were to say for you as an intp that your anima is necessarily esfj is only a theoretical abstraction to be quite frank because in the context of, of you as a living person so many other things are contributing that it's only of help at the beginning yeah 
Um, yes. So many things start mm. to differentiate out. And when you get deep down into archetypes, yes. you're in another world. Yes. Uh, and I think one of the problems with a lot of people on, on YouTube, to be quite frank, is that they don't have the experience of archetypes at all in a real world sense. They've got all the theory and then they don't really know what they're, they're having to deal with mm. at all. And mm. the proof yeah. of the pudding is always in the experience of eating. Yeah, mm. of course. Because archetypes aren't characters per no. se. No. Um, archetypes are complete situations, yeah. stories and that, processes, and processes yeah. that allow us to understand something at a very deep level. So you, you get this an awful lot, yeah. don't you, in depth yeah. psychology where, where people can name, you know, psychopomps and uh, hero archetypes, hero archetypes wise old man. And, and so on and so forth. Um, but they're really just the players. They're just yeah. the characters in the drama. Yeah. Yes. Some okay. of them are non-playable characters. Yes. If you abstract them out of that drama, they are meaningless. Yeah. They're yes. nothing. Yes. The, the drama is the situation which is anticipated biologically and prepared for to be triggered and released through lifespan development. So as soon as we reduce it to reifications, which is what they are, treating individual characters as if they were living human beings, as soon as you do that, you lose the message. Uh, and that's something which I think we would very much like to help to get across. Of course. And you only really know that when you're working with someone in depth uh, and then it gets very, very weird. Hmm. Does, does you know, the... If I, for example, think of... Um, an ISTJ woman, uh, you'll know who this is. I uh, do, yeah. Uh, who are, who <laughs> straight have, away. Straight away, yeah. yeah. Um, she, she's extremely concrete yes. on the outside. Mm. Inside, that woman is a boiling cauldron of symbols and of uh, passions and of projections and transferences. If you just take the typology and then even take the typological theory to extend that, you'll just miss what's really there. So you have to do away with typology once you once you work in depth. Yeah, because when yeah. you get to archety archetypes, you get to that which is the same. Yes. Rather than that yeah. which is different. That's what that's what you were saying, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, this is important. Type typology is for beginners, and it is for the beginning of the process. So if you over amp typology and make that everything, hmm. you're not going to have much explanatory power for real people in depth. Hmm. And you're not going to be able to explain uh, lifespan development processes. Hmm. Well, I presume from a from a biological perspective, if you yeah. have the four different cognitive functions that exist to say discrete circuits, the animus is a separate thing anyway. So, it's, so it, it, will, it, will, it will have its own it, things it, un, unto itself. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. it's got the potential for everything in it, but nevertheless, it has baseline default factory settings yes. which are independent of any mm. typology yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and it's the same with the armor yeah mm. so so can you oh, okay. so, so <laughs> i was just, just gonna uh, say because you talked a lot about well we, uh, two questions i guess um we'll, we'll we'll go with the therapeutic one first you've spoken you know in, in a therapeutic scenario you sit there and the animus can come out presumably because you are speaking in depth it's, it's, it's the depth of the relationship, I would presume. But these things yeah. come out all the time anyway, don't they? Say, for example, in a, in a relationship independent of that. Yes. So it's, it's, it's the way that it's triggered, we'll say, or the way in which the animus, whatever it's waiting for, say it's biological imprint, things that will imprint on it and cause things to activate and, and emerge. Mm -hmm. Is it exclusively words or can it say, for example, be uh, appearance or could it be something that, say, the father once did? Or something like that. Is it purely just logos-related stuff? Um, well, once you get um, to thinking about the animus as a complex, 
and obviously the complex and the archetype are related. Um, the actual, like I said, the interaction be between the two will produce the specific outcome for that person. Mm -hmm. So you, you need both. You need to understand both. You need, if it's a woman, say, coming for therapy, you need to understand the animus and the context of that woman's life. Mm -hmm. um, and her experience of men personally. And then, you know, like I say, you need to look at the collective as well and, and how those two, those two things interact with one another for that specific individual. Mm. Well, well um, we've, we've come up to the 40 minute mark at the moment. I think a nice way to close this off would be to go over the Bluebeard myth, which is, of course, mm. the, the par excellence example in literature of the animus. I think it'd be nice if we did a bit of story time, maybe, if Pauline you were to, to tell the lads the story of Bluebeard um, oh, and, and perhaps right. then afterwards maybe what it might mean, all the different pieces within right. it. Right. Um, well, there are various versions of it, as you might imagine. Um, and it, essentially, um, it's to do with a character called Bluebeard, who in the story... Um, is a, in terms of his physical appearance, is a, a giant of a man uh, with an indigo blue beard. Um, so, you know, he has a strong presence physically, commanding presence, you might say physically. Uh, and he's involved um, with three sisters and their mother uh, in courting the three sisters, um, but also, I guess, in bringing the mother in by getting her on side if you like uh, it uh, allows him to have more influence over the three sisters he courts the younger sister in particular because she's probably the most naive and, and the least experienced of the experienced of the sisters uh, and so in that sense more likely to fall for his charms eventually to cut a long story short uh, they marry uh, and they go go away and live in a castle in a wood together. There comes a point in time where Bluebeard decides to leave and to leave her um, in charge of things for a while. And he says to um, his wife on leaving that she can, you know, a family are more than welcome to come around the sisters and the mother and they can do whatever they like and um, they can just enjoy, you know, all, all the pleasures of the castle and all the, the finery and the, the riches and so on. Um, and he also leaves her uh, with a bunch of keys, which um, are the keys to the rooms in the castle, of which there are many, something like over 300. Um, and he says, uh, part of his instruction as he leaves is that she can use all the keys and go into any of the rooms, so long as she doesn't use uh, the smallest key, mm -hmm. which is, um, very in terms of its descriptions like a very ornate key so it stands out if you like from the rest of the keys uh so he goes away for a time and uh during that time um as you might imagine the sisters get curious um and they start to wander around the castle looking in the various rooms they come upon this small door in the castle and they, they kind of hear it closed behind them and it's probably the one room that they haven't you know bothered to to try to go in mm -hmm. um they've been in the you know the other storerooms where the money are money is and the food stores are and all, all the wonderful things but they haven't been in this this little room which is kind of hidden away in the castle they start to think well you know should we shouldn't we and all, all the doubts about doing it start to creep in but they kind of uh the curiosity if you like um mm -hmm. over overcomes that and 
it's obvious that it's going to be the smallest key that opens the door mm-hmm. to this, you know, to the smallest door and the smallest room in the castle. Despite the fact that he's told them not to go in there, they, you know, override his warning and they open the door and they're greeted by a very, very unpleasant sight. They're basically greeted by the decaying corpses of uh, Bluebeard's previous wives. And they're obviously horrified by that and, and try to sort of close the door as quickly as they can. There's the problem then of what they do about about the key, the fact that they've, you know, they've used that smallest key to open the door. Mm-hmm. And as they take the key from the door, it starts to bleed. And no matter what they do, they can't stop the key from bleeding. Uh, the wife tries to hide it in a wardrobe, but no matter what she does, no matter how much she hides it away, the blood starts to trickle through the wardrobe, through the doors, down onto the floor. As this is all happening, Bluebeard is basically, he's finished his his time away and he's on his way back to the castle. And all this sort of pandemonium ensues as to, you know, how they're going to explain to him that they've done the thing that they're forbidden to do, which is to go and look in this this smallest room. You know, his wife is thinking about what what she's going to say. She's going to have to lie to him. She's going to have to say she's lost the key and so on. Um, But because the key keeps bleeding, uh, it's very difficult obviously to to hide the fact that they've gone against his wishes he threatens her with death and she begs for his mercy and asks that she be allowed to have some time a small amount of time to herself before you know uh that happens and she goes out onto the the uh, the balcony of, uh, of the castle and um it's, it's playing for time really it's trying to buy time mm. And uh, her sisters join her and she's saying to the sisters, you know, can, can you hear our brothers coming? Can you hear them coming? And they're saying, no, no, we can't hear, hear our brothers coming. And then eventually they see like um, a cloud of dust in the distance and uh, the sisters say, oh, well, you know, there's something on the horizon. We can see these swirls of dust on the horizon. Maybe mm. our brothers are coming. And then eventually, uh, fortunately for them, they do arrive. The brothers tackle Bluebeard collectively um, and uh, kill him um, basically you know dismember him take him apart and then leave his his body for the buzzards like I say this, this, this is an inner drama that goes on in the side inside all women um, and if it can be understood as such then there's a lot of meaning to be derived from that yeah of course well, of course the moral of the story is don't marry men with big blue beards it's <laughs> probably a good start. Um, yeah. yeah, probably fairly strange individuals anyway. Um, but yeah, so so I guess to sort of walk through that that general story, what's the yeah. actually what's the what's the key in this very very small key, and everything starts mm-hmm. to bleed. That's the part of the story that sort of leaps out to me as being like, what does this mean? What's going on here? You know? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, the the key um, is essentially a question. And it's the idea that, particularly for women, um, when they lose touch with their instincts, uh, with their intuition, with their with their inner knowing, and they stop asking questions. Uh, in other words, they're cut adrift from the uh, the need to be conscious and to be aware of these things, both on the inside and the outside. That they're likely to run into difficulty, um, and obviously you know in the in the bluebeard story that that is a you know the the threat of death the threat of um mm. 
complete you know dissociation and, and, and nullification is, is ever present um, so the, the key is the key of knowing the key is that thing that will um, if you allow your natural curiosity to come through and you're not frightened of it then it will it's a kind of initiation really into the unconscious mm. uh, and into that other world that will provide you with the answers that you need to that question mm. to, you know, to a particular question so it's the positive animus essentially it is it is it is absolutely yeah. um but it's um in order to get to that then you have to understand those 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 deep destructive dark forces on the inside that would try and prevent you from doing so Mm. And so would all the corpses of all the dead wives then be almost precognitive of what would happen if you didn't take the right path? Or would they be other parts within her own psyche that have already been taken out, perhaps? I don't know. Would it be more precognitive in that case? I I think it can be both. Mm. Absolutely be both. Um, You know, I think most women will know of or will have been in relationships maybe on the outside with men who weren't always what they, or didn't turn out to be what they seemed at first. Mm. Um, and also equally on the inside um, for women who are unaware that those dark forces exist on the inside, then essentially they they become victim to them. Yes, yes, okay. Okay. And it's only really consciousness and ask, asking the right questions that will free you from that. Yes. That's essentially the message of it. Yes. And that's probably a good place to close up, I think, with a, with a general idea that, of course, the animus is a very, very mysterious, potentially mm. destructive thing. But at the same time, going from that Kate Bush video at the very, very beginning, yes. a potentially very positive or yes. animating, hence animus yes. type type force. And I guess yes. it'd be a good idea for us three to reconvene again fairly soon and do part two to this, part three, yeah. four, five, mm, whatever right. else, and, mm. and uh, expand this thing out properly. Not for women, of course, primarily, but then, you know, best for men as well to understand these things so that they can relate mm. properly probably yeah. best idea to to minimize yeah. the amount of negative animus in the world as possible and bring yeah, out the I positive mean, you, animus yes without a doubt i mean you, you see these things functioning like i say in, a, in an everyday sense even the kind of comments that men and women make to one another that very ordinary level where you know the husband might say about the wife while well, she wears the pants mm. you know um yes. or uh she's just you know she's just so opinionated or she's aggressive rather than assertive or whatever though there are lots of everyday examples really of it at work mm. so you know you can you can look at it at that level at a very superficial level of analysis and then you know right the way down to it as a you know a psychopomp and, and a deep a deep um uh well right down to the archetype to something which is deep and, and mysterious and maybe difficult to understand i think you need to try and, and and understand it really at all levels if you possibly can yes i could sit here and talk to you all day to be completely honest but probably for the for the respect of the people who are watching should probably yes, close up and of course let them get on with their with, with their day yeah. but thank you everybody for watching appreciate you as always give a quick message uh, when the previous video that we released was the shadow integration manual video 
It's two hours long. It's uh, it's very, very intense, but it, of course it is very, very good. If you would like a free copy of the Shadow Manual, you can click the link in the description down below and you'll get your free copy, no strings attached. And indeed, if you'd like to ask myself, Steve or Pauline a question or come join our Discord server or have a chat with one of us, there's a link to our Patreon down below where you can find all of those nice bonuses down there too so that we can go on our journey together. But thank you, everybody. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Pauline. You, it's been a pleasure. You. Talk to you again real soon. Thank you. When you're experiencing the anima negatively, mm. does it feel anima as or animus? anima? Anima, yeah, right, yeah, as overwhelming in a destructive sense as um, it's oh, it's difficult to say. I, I can I can feel the, the paralysis of mm. both, but mm. um, I think the animus is more obvious because it's outside of you. Yeah, you know, in a relationship with a person, and I'm thinking principally therapeutically because. Yeah. As you're saying, James, in everyday life, mm. you just react in a normal way to protect yourself as far as you can yes, you from this kind of thing. But when you're in an artificial uh, situation uh, like therapy, uh, you can't do that. You're actually there and you have to feel it. Mm. And you, well, well yeah. it's, uh, it appears to be very, very contra-feminine, um, mm. but it's not. It's, it's actually a, a part of a, a woman's psychology. Uh, and it's what she's been prepared to experience in some respects negatively from men. And you kind of have that as a man mirrored back to you, um, but from a woman. And it's very strange. We, we were talking the other day yeah. in, in terms of, um, you know, seeing it in action about the Kathy Newman interview with, with Jordan yeah. Peterson, for example, um, where it, it's like she just wants an argument for the sake of having an argument with him. So no matter how rational he is with her, uh, she just keeps coming back and, and tries to undermine him and uh, in his arguments and so on. And um, yeah, and, and the thing goes nowhere then. It just, like Steve said uh, earlier on, it'll just kick off his anima. Although, uh, give him his due in that situation, he, he dealt with it well. He did, yeah, didn't he? he did. I, I remember one, per one woman I worked with who was gay, a young woman, mm. um, and there's no doubt about it, she was. But I still got an erotic transference offer. Mm. Mm. Now, that shows that this, this stuff is independent of actual biologically driven sexuality. Yes, yeah, but that is true. It's independent of it. And I think that's a very interesting point. Yeah. Because um, the, the relating factor at that deep level feels erotic. Yes. Yeah. And that's what she was experiencing rather than a true sexuality. And... and that's that's a distinction to make to make because lots of people fall into the trap of believing it's real yeah. in an erotic sense but young was uh, always warning that you know although he made all the mistakes himself yeah. and then told others not to do yeah. yes. you know that he must never ever really treat it as literal it's an abnormal relationship yeah very you, much so. you do not get anywhere outside of two things parent, mm. parental mm. relationships and sexual romantic relationships mm -hmm. The transference is a combination of them in a magical setting, which is totally unique. And, and that's the problem mm. of it when, when it happens. Yeah. You don't normally get it. If, if you were, say, with just complexes or phobias or whatever, the routine stuff. But the minute you go deep, mm. it's there. Yeah. yeah. You, know. you, can't, you can't allow it to paralyze you either no. because it can do. Yes, it can. Um, 
Whereas in, in like an ordinary everyday situation where Anima Anonymous is kicked off, it's just kicked off, isn't it? And, yeah. and it's kind of well, that's the way it is. But yeah. but you can't you can't indulge yourself. You can't allow yourself no. to have that kind of reaction no. in therapy, and it can be very hard. Yeah. Because you're human at the end of the yeah. day. Yeah. I mean, you'll get a woman, for example, who's having an issue with, uh, I'm talking about the animus now, obviously, yeah. with her husband, um, and she'll come in and she's full of the problems to do with him at first. And then suddenly the solution she can test fire on you. Yes. Yes. Project you. Yes. Uh, and she feels comfortable with doing that. Mm. And then suddenly it goes deeper than that because she's never been in the basement of her psyche before mm. consciously. Mm. Uh, and in doing that, it constellates all sorts of things which can erupt into peculiar, apparently, uh, fantasies, some of which are erotically toned and some are differently toned. They may be occult or mm. whatever. Mm. Uh, and it's totally alien to her, but suddenly you're the cause of all of this. Yes. yes. Oh, that means that you're attracted to her. Or you're a devil, or you're a wizard, or a demon, or uh, a magus. Mm or some super wise man, you're none of these things, but it's being projected. And the same happens with women when men come in and, and have an issue and they're totally unrelated to their unconscious. And then, you know, say Pauline will have it all dumped on her in mm. the reverse. Um, and it can get really peculiar. <laughs> it can get really, really peculiar. And, and handling that is difficult. Well, it's, it's, it's just my experience with the with the transference that was, that was recently, the, the girl that was um, helping yes. with her stuff. D dating yes. the um, not a nice boy, um, you know, sta mm. standard weak man type of thing, as I've yes. described before, as one might understand yes. what one to be. Um, yeah. I come along, I'm helping her relieve her suffering, which is therapy, but it's, you know, it's, it's oh. over text or whatever. I'm encouraging her. I'm not telling her what to do. I'm giving her invitations and explaining things. Uh, immediately, she breaks up with him, which, which, which was definitely a good thing. Yeah. She's been yes. very, very, very happy to get rid of a toxic thing in her life. She shot way up, but obviously it was then projected onto me. And then yes. I couldn't, and I'm normally really good. Let's be frank. I'm normally really good at reading people. I can. Yeah. And I can, you know, if, if someone yeah. fancies me, I can tell. I couldn't yeah. tell. Okay. I yeah. actually yeah. couldn't tell yeah. in, the, in this case. It took Jane to come oh. along and actually go, it's bloody obvious what's going on. And then she would be, including the intellect thing you were mentioning, it's interesting because she was saying, I've wanted this whole time to prove myself to you intellectually for you to pat me on the head and go, you're just as smart as, as me oh, and all God, of that yeah. kind of thing. So it seems it was almost yeah. exactly what you were describing yeah, is the same yeah. thing. Now, I, I guess yeah. my, my, my question with this is like, why couldn't I see it? Is it because of my own pulling into that alchemical pot at the probably, same time? Probably in that situation, because it, it, it was pulling up personal stuff in you as well, yeah. wasn't it? So it kind of muddies the water if you're personally involved. Um, but if you if you see it as an abstraction, which yeah. you can do, you know, you can, you can, you're in a situation now where you can pull away from that. Yes. So you can see what's going on. Um, sorry, sorry, sorry. I was going to say, if it was a feeling type woman, um, you probably would have seen it more, but probably because she was in your immediate shadow, mm. right behind the yeah, back of your head. You look, can't yes. see it, you know, yes. it's, yeah. it's literally like that. But if it's so different that it's in front of your face, that, then it's easier to see. I think that was part of the problem that Jung had with Tony Wolf, actually. Yes, I'd agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm familiar with, with, with the... Because he had everything he needed, really, in his relationship to Emma. Absolutely. Yeah. Even in terms um, of her being educated herself and having her own work. Yeah. And obviously they had a lot of children together. So she was immensely capable mm. in her own right. But it was as if that wasn't enough for him. Um, and uh, hence the, you know, 
the projection onto Tony Wolf. Yeah. Um, and obviously, we you know we can sort of think what we like about that, but but that happened to him. Yeah. So, so you know, to, to the man himself, if you like. So mm. uh, it shows how even someone like that can become victim to these things. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. I guess that in the last version of this podcast we did, I asked a question between the distinction between instinct and archetype in this particular scenario, because she's told me, yeah. she's told me before that before, way, way longer than before we started the therapy, she still liked me in the first place. Mm-hmm. I, was the, I was the mysterious figure in the corner. Yes. And, yes. and yes. so in which case it's like, how much of it is transference and how much of it is just she actually secretly really liked me. And then th- it then becomes a complete riddle to me. And then I sort of, I sort of seem to be distracted and miss the actual yes. core of the problem. So I get, would this be the animus sort of, the, the animus well, anima dance with each other that's unconscious and I'm just sort of watching. Because the projections need a hook of sorts <clears throat> of why they don't settle at yes. all. And that, that's not to say that, you know, when you get a or receive a transit <clears throat> or a projection that you have asked for it or deserve it, there just may be some quality and you may not even be aware of it in you which has drawn this. I mean, she may well have sensed your potential. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think you, what it was... We don't sense this at all. I'm sorry to, to be that blunt, but no, no, what, no. You, what you don't sense in yourself, others will. Yes. Yes, okay. Well, the, the, the thing, it could have been that. Uh, it definitely could have been. The only interaction we had was two previous times where I basically told her nicely I was in a bad mood to go away which mm. no one had really ever done before. Like you can imagine mm. the other men in the lab are all also, you know, stand, they're like scientists and scientists aren't like businessmen mm. typically at that age. The business guys are more macho, the scientists are like, yeah. and she, she's like, why aren't you going to your lab meetings? And I said, I don't want to. Mm. And then apparently it was from that when she started to like me. And it's like, well, yes. it's, it's, well you I, can I kind of see. Yes. I can understand that because you get a figure ground thing then. You've got the background of the men and then mm. you would have been yes. like, the spear point. Spear tip, yeah. Remember in the yeah. Kate Bush video, the yeah. guy at the front of the spear tip yes. who holds out his hand? Yes. In effect, you were you saying, yeah, I'm not going there, I'm going there. You yes. want to come with me? In fantasy, she'll yes. project yes. that. Yes. And, and that's what Kate Bush has perfectly oh, demonstrated. Yeah. Yes. And if you look at her face, she's evaluating and weighing up and she's uncertain yes. and then yeah. she's coy and then she's beguiled. And... Mm. Yeah, that makes it. <laughs> what, what, what comes to mind immediately is, is yes. in relation to that, that girl, of course massively into feminism and the sjw Mm. stuff and everything else and the previous men she would go for including the men she would actually find attractive she was telling me would have been the proper nerd types and you know i I would talk to her about other men for for example like more hollywood types she's like nah 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 they all had like a strong intellectual quality and were all not physically attractive sort of whatsoever there's a kind of pseudo androgyny going on isn't there where she's seeing her own femininity being mirrored back to her yes yes and she she was unconscious of her own femininity. And once yes. once once, yes. The, once the man went, she started it's putting dresses on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She, she I mean, was... women in, in the world of work, it's better for women to be like women than to try and emulate men. Mm. Yeah, which is something you don't get in a science yes. environment either, because all the professors are all men, and then yes. they've got to sit there and act and be good boys, basically, and hang out with the yeah. boys. It's, it's not yes. it's not good but yes. once once that was gone it was the transformation was spontaneous i didn't tell her to do anything it just yes. came out so i've just bought a pink dress today and i'm listening to music and i've i've bought a vase i'm like yeah. okay that's lovely yeah yeah absolutely they're like a priesthood those men so a priestess is out of sync with the priesthood but but if she tries to become a priest and not a priestess she's not going to function as well yeah if you look at ancient greece mm. uh, most of the oracles it was women who ran the oracles mm-hmm. 
yeah that's their proper role is to communicate the deep unconscious to the whole of the culture yeah and thereby guide the men to do what men should be doing yes and that was the role of the anima but it, but it's also paradoxically a good role for a woman mm. within a culture without you know reducing them to anything other than just fulfilling what they should be innately in themselves yeah and it's so on pc i know it is it is yeah, yeah. But, you know, when you deal with people who have, have gone sadly wrong in the sense that they've become unwell, you, you just see in a raw sense I mean, what the truth could, is. You do. I mean, if we could give a really ordinary everyday example, uh, and we sometimes have a bit of a joke about it, um, you see young women maybe getting into a big four by four vehicle of some kind. Uh, and you've got this tiny woman behind the wheel and this this big vehicle and and we we call them jokingly animus chariots mm. uh, and it just sometimes I just think well how how has that woman come about the vehicle in the first place has she has she earned it through her own work um through her own um you know ability in any way, or is it just something that's been provided that it allows her to go out there? Uh, and be maybe aggressive rather than assertive and act like a pseudo man rather than, you know, a woman uh, who is a strong woman, nonetheless. Um, and again, it's just, just one of those little anecdotal things that you see yeah. in everyday life. There are other examples, of course, yeah. as well. Um, yeah, it's just illustrative of yeah. the kind of mindset that women get into. Almost a sense of entitlement that they don't have to bother to do any inner work because yes. the man will just provide it. He'll just carry that for them. Mm. So they don't need to do anything for themselves. Nothing yeah. controls a man more than a feminine woman. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because men will instinctively mm. fall into line with that. Yeah, but if you get a woman who is is trying to compete mm. with a man as a man, yes, they will generally get rejected, neglected. Yes, yeah. You know, but a, a woman who who is strong in a feminine sense and knows what her power is, that's a powerful woman. Yes, and uh, history's proven to be the case. Or um, or at least with my experience with with science, you're right. They they don't compete mm. and they are rejected, or they end up like this girl settling for very weak men. Yes. Which is, which is yes. not a good thing whatsoever. Yeah, because there's no yeah. development there, is yeah. there? And, you know, and just stand still. Yeah, yeah. You, you get the, uh, the recovered femininity going on. It's not just in that environment, but a similar one. But you also get, uh, with some women, the projection of the self archetype onto a man who is paradoxically masculine but feminized. Yeah. Because you can attempt to differentiate mm. then through relationship mm. either the man out in him. And thereby he will lose his femininity, which will then duck into her. Mm. You know? uh, so there's all sorts going on with that kind of thing. Yeah. But the main thing that's going on is unconsciousness. Well, and this is could this partly be where the, the, the PC stuff gives people an excuse to remain unconscious? Because yes, it does. It does. Yeah. That, that, that'd be my explanation anyway, because as soon as that, that was removed in this particular scenario, it was like, bing. It, they they emerge like the particular lotus flower, but and it remains sort of taboo. But the, the people are this almost seem unconscious of their own pain at the same time. They're unconscious of their own mal maladaptation. And then, mm. you know, they'll, they'll, they'll go home, they won't be happy and they won't be sad. It'll just be autopilot, mm. it seems to be. Well, it's a kind of new normal, isn't it? It's, yeah. You're right, it's an adaptation. It's, it's just... Um... I don't know how else to describe it really, but it's it's um, 
I guess so long as it works in a kind of a functional sense and people just get on with it, but they don't realise they're cheating themselves so much by living that way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The PC stuff has robbed people of a lot, which is why I'm not afraid to, to speak openly about yes. that kind of thing on this yeah. channel. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's disenfranchised a lot of women for sure. Oh yeah. And actually stolen their feminine power. It's nothing yeah. Yeah. to assist with it. It's stolen it. Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing that's more demonised than a feminine woman, actually, to be honest. There's this whole toxic masculinity thing, but a woman who comes out as feminine, it's like, well, what was the word yes. they use? Uh, internalised internalized misogyny is the word that's thrown around. It's like, okay, yeah. you think you're really, really yeah. smart using yeah. that. No, but, yes. uh, but then they'll, 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 uh, yeah. that's when the more, um, perhaps the whole well, being a slut culture. That's just turning against them, isn't it? That's just the animus on the inside turning yeah. against them. Yes. And Would, then it's projected out. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Uh, I mean, there's, there's this problem, you know, there's, there's a dichotomy between consent and then also being able to sleep with whoever you want. Do you think in this context then, the, 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 the desire to go and sleep with big strong men in the club, despite the fact they're all toxically masculine, is sort of the animus orchestrating that in a way, to be like, wake up, wake up, 